I have always been a product of the big city. Wall-to-wall -wall pavement was my typical playground, and I was driven, not walked, to school. My dad was always coming up with new, weird hobbies to break up some of the monotony of the daily grind. Frankly, I always hated the interruptions to my day-to-day. -day. Being kind of a bookworm, I was constantly focused on school and getting the best grades possible. It was always a dream of mine to put one of those big-name schools, Harvard, MIT, next to my name. This is why when my dad unveiled his dream camping trip to us as a family, that I let out an audible groan. Frowning at my reaction, he asked me what was wrong. You always do this, I said. Make us go along with whatever stupid hobby you come up with. I was mean, I admitted. I could tell by the hurt look on his face. He didn't raise his voice, which I almost would have preferred. He just went through the weekend plans with my mom, almost monotone, as if giving a report. He no longer seemed interested in going after my reaction. I tried to shove down the feelings of regret as I went to my room. Like a petulant child, I threw myself on my bed, unhappy that I made my dad upset, but knew I was just being honest about how I felt. The days creeped by as the camping trip loomed. Many new pieces of what I call my dad's hoard started showing up in various delivery vehicles. A brand new tent, top of the line, water sealed. He put it up immediately in the middle of the living room. Air mattresses for us all to sleep on, which at least looked comfortable if I gave him credit. A camper stove, pots, pans, plastic dishes, all of these new things that we would never would have thought to purchase a couple weeks ago. When the day finally came to load the car, I packed up my suitcase like we were taking a plane to Europe. My dad went to lift it into the car, and I watched him physically strain to put it in. What did you put in this thing, dumbbells? He asked. I'm bringing what I need so I'm not miserable, Dad. I stuck back, making my disdain for the outing known. Quit being such a child. Get your butt back in the house and pack something reasonable. You're going on this trip and I'm tired of the attitude, he commanded. I grabbed my bag from his hand and rolled it back into our apartment haphazardly throwing additional clothes and electronics around my room. I zipped the bag back up and brought it back to my dad. He lifted it and resigned to move on with the trip. The drive out there was long. The downtown slowly dissipated as we moved from skyscrapers to the older parts of town. From there to small strip malls, then to nothing. Just fields as far as the eye could see. My eyes drooped hypnotized by the monotony of green shrubs and farm fences that whooped by the car window at high speed. I woke suddenly as my dad stopped and opened the driver's side door. My mom was getting out as well when the passenger door I had been resting my head against opened. Last convenience store for miles. Grab some snacks or whatever else you want to eat at camp. Won't be another chance, my dad said. Undoing my seatbelt and extracting myself from the heavily packed car felt like a struggle after having slept in a sitting position for a few hours. Stretching my arms and arching my back, I surveyed the store we had pulled up to. The parking lot was made of an uneven pack of dirt and gravel. There hadn't been much of an attempt to maintain it, as there were several potholes filled with water sprinkled across the parking spaces. The store itself looked like an old barn house or farm storage facility, repurposed with classic-looking LED signs stating, open and your variety of domestic beers and alcohol. The wood was dark brown, either painted or weathered to be that way. The door creaked open 
and a bell jingled as we passed through the doorway. Afternoon, folks, said an elderly man behind the register. He was wearing a plaid-collared shirt and jeans that looked like they'd been put through one wash too many. His white hair was flattened, as if he'd been wearing a baseball cap most of the morning. He had a smile on his face as he greeted my parents. When he scanned his eyes on me, however, they narrowed slightly, as if he could read something beyond my physical appearance. He quickly snapped back to my folks, reverting back to the initial smile as we walked further into the store. My dad got distracted by a bait-and-tackle section. I don't know if he'd ever fished before in his life, but it was sounding more and more like he was going to on this trip. Hey, kid, said a voice behind me. The old man at the counter was looking at me. Only this time his smile had changed into a calculating expression that made me uncomfortable. I want to ask you something, he followed up. I stepped closer to the register, but not all the way up due to this guy giving me the creeps. What do you know about these woods? He asked. Not much, really. My dad wants to go camping. I'd rather jump off a cliff, to be honest, I replied. I noted that his eyebrows raised at the comment. He probably didn't like me speaking that way about my dad's camping trip, but I didn't care. I wouldn't joke about something like that if I were you, he said. There's something strange about those woods your folks are taking you to. I looked at him for a moment, unsure if he was just trying to scare me or what. What do you mean strange? I asked. The old man took a stray glance at my parents, who were still looking at the bait-and-tackle section of the store, my dad commenting on all the little different fake worms, and my mom nodding along as if the concept was truly not that amazing. There's a sort of creature that lives up there. Not a wolf or a bear or anything you might be thinking of. It isn't alive, in a manner of speaking. Doesn't bother most of the folks that come through here, though. And that's because you have to summon him the old man stated. I stared at him for a moment, wide-eyed with curiosity, and asked, Summon him? How? Fire, he said. You look into the center of the flame. Something happens. The wisps of the flames draw you in. And if you're in the right place, at the right time, he can hear you calling out to him from the depths of the inferno. You're just trying to scare me, I said unable to hide the look of shock on my face. This complete stranger was trying to tell me some kind of scary story. The old man looked down at me sardonically, as if he was scolding me for refusing to listen. Tell you what, kid. You stop on back after your trip. Let me know if you see anything interesting out there. I stopped there as my dad came up to the counter with a new fishing rod, hooks, bait, and several other little objects I didn't recognize. He looked from the shopkeep who was now pleasantly greeting him, to me, who was still wearing somewhat of a shocked expression. Everything okay? My dad asked me. Yeah, just fine, I replied. He looked at me quizzically, but proceeded to hand the old man his money and get his receipt. The old man didn't look at me again, just went about his duties in the shop as if nothing had happened. We walked back to the car, and I couldn't help but look over my shoulder back at the convenience store. Did that really happen? What a weirdo. We progressed even further into the wilderness. My eyes drooped again with the mix of humming engine and the passing greenery. It was hard not to think about what the old man said, though. 
There was something prescient about his tone, like he knew something was going to happen. A chill ran over my body as I tried to shut out this thought from my mind. He was just a stupid old man. What does he know? Someone should lock him up for talking to a kid that way. We arrived at the parking lot next to a thickly wooded trailhead. My dad hopped out of the car, billowing with excitement as he started unloading the car. He had carefully packed backpacks for each of us to carry camping supplies in. We're a half mile from the campground. Get your stuff and let's go, he said with a nauseating degree of enthusiasm. I slumped out of the car to find an outstretched arm holding my backpack. I also pulled my luggage out of the back. Realizing I shot myself in the foot by packing some ridiculous suitcase, I took some of the clothing out and loaded it into the pack. The hike was miserable. Having rained recently, the trail was muddy and slippery. Not used to having such a huge load on my back, this presented a hazard to my ankles and knees as we traversed the wilderness. We eventually turned off the trail and into an open area that had been clearly made into a designated camping site. My dad put his backpack down and took in a large breath of air. I slumped down on a log and watched my parents get the tent out of my mom's bag and start messing with the poles. An hour later, we had the shelter up with all of our sleeping bags ready to go. I grabbed some matches out of my bag and started looking around for loose firewood around the campsite. It was hard to find wood that wasn't already wet, so my dad set out on the laborious task of drying and lighting the wood pile. It was beginning to get cold by the time any hint of a flame could be seen in the fire pit. I was grateful to at least have some heat from the fire as the sun finally set. My parents bundled up with blankets together on seats next to the fire. At this point, I was exhausted from the events of the day. Gazing lazily into the fire, I remember the old man's words. When you look into the center of the flame, something happens. The wisps of the flames draw you in. I looked deeper, following the lines of the flames as they licked out from the charred coals. I traced the flame slowly to the center, soaking in the heat as well as the visually hypnotizing image of the fire. I heard something then, a voice, no more than a whisper, but like it was far away. I'm here. A loud burst of sound suddenly shook all of us up from our seats. The fire had suddenly gone from fully alight to out and smoldering in an instant. It startled my dad so badly he actually jumped out of his chair and knocked over some of our supplies nearby. What? What happened? He said, catching his breath. I, I don't know, Dad. It went out suddenly, I replied frantically. We looked around for flashlights so that we could navigate the camp. Thankfully, there had been a couple nearby and we started gathering things from around the fire. It didn't make any sense. Why had it gone out? I looked around the wilderness, trying in vain to find some sort of explanation. My dad was behind me, trying to light the fire again, but to no avail. He tried a butane torch, which wouldn't light. Even the matches he brought wouldn't strike to flame. The woods were seemingly calm, but something didn't feel right. I looked out on the hillside of trees, and to my surprise, a faint glow seemed to emanate from behind the hills. I turned off my flashlight to get a better view of the light. It was a warm glow, and it seemed to be increasing in intensity. Dad, do you see that? I asked. My dad came over with his flashlight, and also turned it off when he saw mine was out. 
We looked over the same hillside, watching the glow get brighter and brighter. It was a moment later when the crest of the hill seemed to burst with light. The center of light seemed to slowly come into view, first a head, then body, arms and legs of what seemed to be a large man. Only this man was wreathed in flame. The forest around him seemed to burst into cinders as he passed. As if on command, they turned to fire, some even bursting from the sap under their bark turning to a boil. My body seemed to freeze, unable to believe what I was seeing. The man was approaching fast as well, moving at a pace that seemed completely unnatural. I felt a tug on my arm as my dad pulled me away. Clearly he had seen enough and was pulling me and my mom to the car. Abandoning all of our supplies and camping equipment, we piled into the car. The tires slipped and grinded against the unpaved earth as he slammed his foot on the gas pedal. Behind us, the light had grown so strong it seemed as if daytime was upon us. The trees to our left and right began to glow, reacting to the intense heat approaching them. Ashes and pieces of burning tree branches started drifting over the road. My mom screamed. My dad frantically pressed on, full speed, till he reached the main road. The flames did not dissipate, though. My dad continued to accelerate to top speed as the trees nearest us started to burst into flame, boiling sap spitting out at us as we made our escape. As we reached the edge of the dense forest, it was almost too bright, too engulfed in the inferno to see any further, but we burst through into a clearing of grass on the other side. A cry of relief and triumph escaped my parents, but I looked back as soon as we reached safety. The man engulfed in fire was standing at the edge of the wood, just watching us as we drove away. The forest had been catastrophically ignited, and not a single tree had been left unburnt. We went down a small hill, and my view of the creature was lost. Only the eerie glow of the forest fire remained behind us, as if reminding us that he was still watching. We drove until we reached a ranger station. My dad parked the car and told us to stay put. He ran inside, and there I don't know what was said. He was undoubtedly telling them what we just witnessed, even if totally unbelievable. He came out shortly thereafter and told us we would be going to a motel about 12 miles down the road, where we would stay the night. The rangers wanted us to come back in the morning and to stick around town while they checked out our story. Sleep was simply not going to happen after that event. Never mind that we only had our clothes on our backs as we made our escape. Nevertheless, I closed my eyes, desperately trying to think of anything other than what we'd just experienced. It was hopeless, though. The burning silhouette on the hillside, the absolute destruction it wrought in its wake were impossible to unsee. The morning came, and we were eager to fulfill our obligation to the rangers and get home. We drove the short distance to the station and were greeted by a ranger out front. This time, we all exited the vehicle, I think eager to hear some sort of explanation of what we experienced. Not sure how to tell you all this, there's no forest fire out there, he said to my dad. We just stared at him, disbelief painted on our faces. Officer, there must be some kind of mistake. We ran for our lives last night, almost burned to death, my dad said, trying to reason with him. Look, um, how about all you hop in the cruiser? I'll take you up there, and you can see for yourselves. There should be plenty of room. 
the ranger said as he motioned to his car. We piled into the car and watched out the windows as the forest ranger pulled into the main road and toward the forest. To our surprise, what he said was absolutely true. We approached the forest entrance and not a single thing looked out of place. Bright green trees, lush vegetation greeted us as we entered the outer edge of the tree line. My dad gave him directions to our campground, which he seemed to know instinctively. Our campground appeared non-existent. Everything had been as if we had never arrived. Branches I had picked up for firewood, still in the places I had originally found them. I don't know if this is some kind of joke. Honestly, when you told us about the fire, we half expected to have an arson investigation on our hands. Since there is no fire, though, he said, but was cut off by my dad. Stuff, our camp, all of it was here, where is it? My dad exclaimed. The ranger paused for a moment before replying, Sir, I don't know what happened to you, but there's nothing here. How about I give you a ride back to your car and we just forget about this? He said, trying to apparently defuse the situation because he could see we were getting agitated. Reluctantly, my dad motioned for all of us to get back into the cruiser. We drove back to the ranger station where they bid us goodbye and we piled into our car. It was at this moment that I remembered the old man. I told my parents about the interaction I had with him and the premonition he made to me while we were buying fishing gear. Their jaws seemed to drop at this new revelation and my dad immediately set out to the store. We drove in silence, maybe because the traumatic experience or because none of us could even speculate as to what happened. Whatever the reason, we drove straight there without a single word. When we pulled into the pothole-filled parking lot, we all looked at each other at once. What had been an old but relatively well-maintained store was now a collapsed shack. The roof had been caved in a long time ago, and plants were growing out of the center of the rubble. We all got out of the car and walked around, looking in all directions as if we had maybe missed the store. I must have driven to the wrong place, my dad said. Oh, Dad, this is it. I remember the parking lot. I remember all the potholes. This is it. But what is this? I said, not really sure how to explain what we were seeing. I don't know, but I think I've seen enough, he said. And that was it. We all piled in the car, unable to explain, unable to forget what happened. We drove onto the main road again and back toward the city. As we reached speed, I noticed my parents were holding hands on the center console. I don't know what made me do it, but I also reached out and placed my hand on theirs. My dad glanced sideways at me from the driver's seat, a small smile appearing on his face. I'll never know what happened to us out there, but from that day forward, I would always remember what was most important, the people that I keep close, and how we'll always have this experience we shared, and that we survived it.